Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So somehow I've been married nine years. You're so old. No, I don't necessarily feel old, but I do feel like the time just goes faster and faster and faster. That's true. That's true. We have our 10-year anniversary this year, and I'm like, what? Who this this baby this child (laughs) this child although seeing and thinking about who I was when I got married and I'm like lol who who let us do this that yeah we (laughs) Brian was reorganizing our file cabinet a couple weeks ago and he was sending me pictures of like how much money we made ten years ago what our mortgage payment was ten years ago. And the very small amount of money that we made in 2012, when we also literally bought a house and got married. And he was like, how? And so he sends me these screenshots of all of these amounts. And I was like, literally, who let us do that? Who? Who allowed us? (laughs) I don't know. I was writing my anniversary card and I was like, We've been through so much and I I couldn't have imagined the life we have today, but literally because when we got married, we bought a house and we had no furniture and we slept on the floor. (laughs) We slept on the floor for at least three or four months before our room was enough together that we could put together a bed. But the bed we put together was Jared's from like Mm -hmm. a bachelor pad. Like it Mm -hmm. wasn't our marriage bed or no. like anything special. It was like IKEA knockdown first- furniture that had yeah. been moved four times. We didn't buy our first bed until this house, until literally uh, last year. Right. Same. <laughs> and I just I I'm like, I don't think I quite comprehended how mm-hmm. different my life was until I was thinking about being married and just like all the things that have changed and for fathers Long story, I know we don't have kids, but I, long story short, because Father's Day and Mother's Day is hard, we both really try to like take care of each other. But I thought, 
how weird is it that we've been together so long that our keys are gross? And so for Father's Day, I bought new key rings for all the cars because like mm-hmm. the leather was like mm-hmm. peeling and like literally nasty. <laughs> well, a, a really weird purchase that we need to make. I mean, soonish, but I'm like putting it off because it also kind of makes me sad. Stuff from our wedding, like dishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cups are starting to need to be replaced. Yeah. Because they're 10 years old. Well, and 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 I just don't I remember stuff from when my parents got married and they like didn't replace it until I was in high school. Right. right. But I just don't think and obviously, I feel last like the audience will agree with us. No, nothing that was purchased in the last 10 years no. remotely is of the same quality or no. standard. No, but I think it was last year where we bought a new set of white dishes, but we, we still kept our old ones, but some sure. of the like bowls were just like so scratched up. So we have like our wedding dishes and then like our new world market dishes that we both prefer better. So I don't know why we're keeping the other ones. I finally just like a week or so ago moved our drinking glasses that we got from Macy's like into like the hutch. Cause I don't like using them because they're like such a thin lip at the top and they're glass. And we've had a couple break because they're like so thin at the top. So I've like switched out our cups, but I'm still keeping them. But finally our silverware, we're like missing a couple silverwares and like some are just like very gross. (laughs) And like, I don't know how silverware gets gross, but they do. I do. I do appreciate my previous self when literally we had no business, no business affording any of this stuff. I was pretty adamant that we get like nice silverware from Crate and Barrel, yeah. like nice dishes. And I do think that has helped the fact that we didn't end up with silverware from Target. Nothing against silverware from Target, but I just know it was Well, I think ours is from Target. Target. It lasts yeah. 10 years. It lasted, well, it lasts maybe about nine, eight or nine is like, <laughs> we should have replaced it already, honestly. Yeah. I'm like holding on to it. Our silverware, aside from the spoon that got in, stuck in the garbage disposal, besides that, our silverware could last another 30 years. Yeah. Our silverware I think awesome. our next batch of silverware will be like from Crate and Barrel. I definitely recommend mm-hmm. spending a pretty penny on yeah. silverware. Maybe I'll get like a like a Black Friday sale or something because silverware is way more expensive than it should be. Oh, I know. I'm like, so I just crazy. need it to eat with. <laughs> I just need it to eat with. And I, you know, there's the other part of me that's like, oh, you just get the cheap stuff and then replace it every so often. But then I don't want to like contribute to to waste. And Well, like- and here's what's funny with that conversation is, so my brother is 11 years younger than me and mm-hmm. him and his girlfriend are moving into their first house. They're renting a home. And so they're getting rid of some of their like individual furniture because sure. they're moving in together. And they're the many conversations of them trying to figure out their style. So like he's mid-century, oh. but she's like on a goodwill budget but like has no desire to go like goodwill, like looking, I almost said goodwill hunting, but like hunting yeah, and goodwill, you know what I mean? And her mentality is I just want to spend like the least amount possible because she's still in her master's program. They're like have jobs for the first time in their life. And my brother's like, well, let's save and like invest. And it's really funny because I'm like, you guys need to find a happy medium because you definitely should spend more than like $50 on a couch. Please spend more than 50. But don't buy what you think is going to be your forever couch at 22. Don't do that. I bought my forever couch at 32 and I love it. I'm obsessed with it. 
And it was a pretty penny, but I, A, I couldn't have afforded it at 22. And I wouldn't have even picked it out at 22. No. My taste has changed so much. Well, like, like a couch that can fit in a home that you're renting is different than a couch that can fit in, like, the home that you're going to (sighs) buy. Yeah. It's just just the aging thing and change and all. It's just, like, all kind of – it's a moment of reflection, you Uh know? 100%. And so I'm just, like, reminiscing and also, like, sad and excited Mm -hmm. and also feeling, like, God, there's so much I still want to do. <laughs> I know. I know. We had uh, my Brian's grandma was in town the other day and, you know, we finished up that big living room project a couple months ago, but we're kind of working on some of the outdoor stuff. And she's like, okay, so like the house is done. Yeah. And I just immediately laughed. No, I was like, never. first of all, it's never done. Second no. of all, like I literally haven't even painted upstairs. What do you mean done? I literally spent an hour in the last week like talking to Jared about building like a basically like a greenhouse addition mm-hmm. on the side of our house for yeah. like tropical plants and overwintering yes. things. And do that. <laughs> I'm just like, it would be so great. I didn't tell him this part, but I saw like you sitting with coffee in like yes. the middle of winter, like surrounded by all these like tropical plants, yeah. like brainstorming That's what I do stuff. The coffee shop, the nursery coffee like, shop. She. Emily would visit more. Often. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't 35 um, minutes away. I would visit more. God, that drive. I know. Miserable. What can okay. I say? I want to get into our conversation today because sure. I, I feel like all of us as service providers need to be reminded sometimes the very importance of checking our feelings and really understanding where we are still maybe subconsciously tying our value as a provider to what we bring to the table and our worth and the value of our literal offer, but literally what we bring to the table for our clients. And there've been some conversations popping up recently where very successful service providers, this happens to everyone, are having some feelings about why, why is my client not listening to every word I say? Why aren't they taking the advice that I'm giving? They're not going to see this result over here because they're not doing this over there. And we had a really great conversation about it recently. And I wanted to bring it here because we have not been immune (laughs) to these same thoughts. And so I wanted to share just, you know, some of our own personal journey and going through this and maybe some exercises that could help you get past it. Yeah. I think if I were to really think about Earlier in our career, Emily and I, much like every service provider, when you get started, you are just so genuinely excited about the work that you're doing. And to me, your clients' victories become your personal like trophies and like success Mm -hmm. stories and like your own victories. And so, you know, in the same way, like a testimonial is proof of what you're capable of. I think in a lot of ways, you seeing your clients thrive because of the work you did is not only proof for how you're going to ultimately get more clients in the future, but I think it ends up building a lot of your self-esteem and self-confidence that you are capable, that you are smart that you are, that you have all the skills and tools and abilities to ultimately do this for more clients. 
The problem is, as it is ultimately building your confidence, which is amazing and a necessary piece of the puzzle, I think most service providers end up starting to intertwine their personal identity and self-worth into their work product, Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. the work they are doing for other people. And the moment it starts to go awry, literally at all, Mm -hmm. they have a breakdown. Yeah. I did too. So same. (laughs) And I'm also, as we're having this conversation, I am remembering a conversation we had with a client of ours. And I wanted to put this to words when we were chatting with her, but I don't think my brain caught up to the thought, but I'm seeing it now. So she was talking about kind of the overwhelm behind she's wanting to land some more clients and get into higher paying clients. She likes the strategy portion of working with her clients, but she really doesn't like doing the implementation. And part of that, as your as your service-based business gets big enough and you're seeing enough clients, it absolutely makes sense for you to pull away from some of that implementation to hire on people of your team who can actually do the delivery. The easiest example to give is if you're running a marketing agency to have people who are copywriters, who are designers, who are analysts, whatever, and you are the strategy behind it and you land the clients and then you have your team that helps actually deliver the thing, right? Well, what I was actually seeing in the conversation we had with her is it's not that she didn't have the time to implement. It's not that she didn't have the skills to implement. She's actually really, really good at what she does. The imposter syndrome is in the implementation. She knows the strategy. She knows the relationship. But when she does it, I think the actual fear is it's not going to be good enough. It's not going to work for that client. And if it doesn't work for that client, then that means I'm bad at what I do. And that, the reason why I see that is because that is how I felt as a service provider as well, is as soon as, you know, and I'm just relating this to taking pictures and I'm, it's coming up for me again because of a project we're working on, but I can help style a set. I can take the photo. I know the settings on my camera. I know how to organize those files. And then I will literally agonize over editing them because when I'm editing them, they're the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's a really hard time for me to like process that out. If I were to do all of the pre-work and then someone else comes and edits them and shows them to me, I'm going to be like, oh my God, these are the most beautiful thing ever because you made them pretty as the editor. And like, that's my brain telling me the imposter syndrome junk, but that's, that's where it shows up for me. I think that's so interesting. I want to help you guys unravel this though, because I I think regardless of the stage of business you're in or how many clients you've had, all of that aside, if we don't do some unraveling of like your personal identity and self-worth from the work, then I do think you're going to end up in a scenario where a client doesn't take your advice or doesn't fully implement what you had had told them or or starts picking and choosing pieces to listen to and you're going to lose it. And more than likely, you're probably going to have to lose it one or two times before you're willing to really address this in a bigger way. I think it comes up too with the urgency of how clients, how quickly clients respond or implement the things. I know we saw this a lot when we were working with like full website rebranding clients where we had it in our contract and our boundaries and our terms and our communication, you need to respond within this amount of time with approvals, with edits, with whatever we're asking from you so that we can complete your project on time. And we had, I mean, multiple clients, but one particular client who just like, I don't know, 
deadlines did not apply to this person. And it was so frustrating for Abby and I, because we wanted to not just finish the project, but we're excited to work on it, but we didn't have the materials that we needed in order to do it. And I remember there were times when like, we would just rant and rave about it, but I'm like, we also just can't control that. If it's going to be more expensive for this person because they're taking forever, or if it's going to take longer, or like you eventually have to fire them because you can't finish it, like, then that just is what happens. Yeah, it is what happens. I don't know. I think one of the best and worst gifts I was ever given was my ability to forget (laughs) following my accident. I really struggled with storing long-term memories. So like anything could happen and I could respond in the moment. I didn't sound crazy. Like everything felt normal. You asked me about it a week later. I never, I didn't store a single bit of that information. And in a lot of ways, I think it was helpful because I'd never really got to hold resentment towards people or hold on to things that were bothering me because it just didn't linger. But what it taught me, even as that, <laughs> trust me, I can store long-term memories now, as that ability came back, I realized just like, the level of importance we give things in moments in time are very often not true. Like they're not necessary. And so what does it take to let it go? I think a big part of it is you have to be willing to work on yourself outside of work Mm -hmm. so -hmm. that you can figure out how these things come up. I remember Emily and I having this brief conversation and we we don't often if ever really talk about religion or faith in our business however i remember emily saying something specifically about worthiness and i remember messaging her and i like used all the words i had been taught as a child but i just kind of like stripped the religion out of it and just said, if you were to like, just look at the teachings, regardless, I was taught that you are distinctly worthy just by being. You don't have to earn it or deserve anything. And you can simply be, and that is enough. And it takes time to believe that though. I feel like I'm more settled with that than I've ever been. But how are you sitting in the like, I can just be like literally not I don't have to, I don't have to work, I don't have to produce, I don't have to be a mom, I don't have to like anything. Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. No, it's not sitting. <laughs> And I I just like literally don't know how to do that. I think a lot of it is my personality. A lot of it is upbringing. A lot of it where I do find joy in work and doing and creating. And I think my brain can't separate the, if I begin to untie the worthiness, then that means I don't care. And if Uh, I don't care, then I won't do anything. Like I won't, I won't do anything at all. Interesting. I just don't necessarily think how much you care about a client isn't all at all tied to your personal. As an example, you can care about a client all day long and you can want what's best for them and you can give them every strategy you have in the book. And if they choose to not pursue any of it, It is no representation on you at all, which I think for a lot of people is just like, I hear you. And I think I I do, I find it easier to do in our strategy work. Sure. Like when we work with incubator clients or whatever, if there's someone who's just like, you know, and this just doesn't happen, but if they're just like, I reject that strategy and I'm not going to do it. Okay, great. I don't care what we talk about. Within but I think our- it's interesting that you say, I don't care because that's not true. You do care. No, I do care. What I'm saying is what we talk about. But with you're okay client. with it being. I'm okay with that being your choice. 
I'm going to point out the consequences of that choice. And as long as you're willing to accept those consequences, then like you do you boo, like that's literally fine. I can disagree with you and that's fine. But in the actual like one-on-one service done for you part of our lives that I still feel that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know how to like allow you guys to let that go other than to practice it. I think, I think this is more of a, you don't have to believe it at first, but you have to like tell yourself the right things so that eventually you do. It's, it's sort of like in the same way of if you've had this negative self-talk about your body or your look for so long. And every time you look in the mirror, you tell yourself something negative, then like, that's always going to be your first thing. I think in the same way around work and worthiness and it being not related to like you work in yourself, not being related. I think a lot of it is framing and like having the recognition that I see why I might feel this way. And that's not true. And so being self-aware enough to like process it and then like tell yourself what is true and you may still be like mm, okay yeah. you know well, for a long time but i think it takes practice definitely and the crazy part for me is i know not all services identify as creative and the things that you're doing maybe you don't have an artistic lens on it but that's the only lens i know how to put on like literally anything that i do and so i i do learn a lot and i read a lot about the creative artistic lens of, of doing anything in life. And so I saw this video the other day. I'm pretty sure it was on TikTok. Very interesting to me where, and it got me thinking a lot of like, wow, could I ever explore that and like allow that to happen in my life? So the, the thought was, and they had like many cases to prove that this was true or that it was effective, whatever. The idea is when you are a creator, whether you're an author, an artist, it doesn't matter. It's singer, a painter, whatever. When you are an an artist in any way and you're putting your work out there, most people stop when they start to get negative feedback on the thing that they're putting out there, right? Like your books are horrible. Your song is horrible. That art is ugly, whatever it might be. But the person talking was like, if you can push through that and like actually lean into the thing that people actually don't like, like that's actually the thing that you should be exploring more. And the thing that is like innately what you're good at and the thing that's going to like, not like make you successful, but like that's going to be your most unique value that you bring because it's when we have creativity that's like pushed back upon that that's actually means something for people. And like, that's the thing that's worth exploring. And so I'm sitting there thinking in my head, cause I, I want to be an author one day. I want to write and I want to, I've put out literal art on canvas in the world before I've made earrings before I've put out photos before I've had shops. Right. And I've been thinking about like, man, if I had had people have been like, this thing right here is like the thing that I hate that you do. Oh, the whole, the whole premise was like to be an artist, like you're going to have to be cringy and like knowing that there's people out there who find you cringy. And then to hear about that, your work might be cringy is the part that's worth exploring. And I was like, (sighs) I don't know, know. but like, it's not the true like journey. I mean, maybe, I think if we're looking at it from that lens, perhaps one of the things that's been challenging is when 
if you are a person that has people pleased your whole mm-hmm. life and in general been a mostly liked person, mm-hmm. you don't end up in many situations where someone says, says much. Those things. Yeah. Of course, the moment a client pokes back, it feels uncomfortable because you then assume all the other cringy things that they didn't say. They're like, oh, well, then they must not think uh, this thing or that thing or why we tell ourselves stories. I don't know. I wish we could be more self-aware of what is someone else's beef versus it having much to do with us. Like, honestly, I know they say when someone says anything that it has more to do with them than it has to do with you. Right. But I think it's easier, like, if we got to start practicing this stuff at home. So, like, can we start with your kids or with your spouse or with a loved one? And the moment they say something, like, can you, instead of being so reactionary, can you allow it to be inquisitive about what is this saying about them? And, like, have it not be about you. Because, you know what? It has been fascinating to watch my relationships improve, my marriage improve, all of these things when I've realized if I just like stopped and like refused to react in the moment and instead like questioned what was going on and and realized, oh, maybe their stress is coming from this direction or maybe they're tired or maybe they're hungry or <laughs> I mean, whatever. That like if you take the time to like actually pause and figure out what's going on with them, yeah. you get to come from this place of understanding and generally your reaction then diffuses the situation. Yeah. I gotta do the same thing with clients. Yeah. (laughs) I I there's two two things. I'm wondering if we could we could take this into the client realm. So one, what I've been trying to learn with Penny about so I was raised feeling very responsible for the happiness and emotions of those around me, mostly my parents. And coming from divorced parents at such a young age, like being the referee in between everything, right? Forever. And so I'm I have a really hard time separating how you are acting, responding and saying and being like, "Well, now I feel this way because of how you're acting." And so I do not want to raise a child that feels responsible for my emotions at all whatsoever. And so I've done a lot of digging and learning about how do I intentionally not do that? Not just like Let's hope accidentally it doesn't happen, but like intentionally not do it. So one of the easiest things to do is like, because if I'm frustrated with like a kid situation that's happening or I'm annoyed or I'm overwhelmed or whatever, like not just stating the feeling, but saying, I am annoyed right now and I'm going to go do this to take care of my feeling. Not you are being annoying. You are annoying me. I feel annoyed right now. It's my feeling. It's my emotion. You didn't make me feel that way. I could have not felt that way. There are other people who would have been in this exact same situation who might not have felt that way. So this is on me. This is my feeling. So one, there's that piece. I think that we can absolutely bring that table to the client of like, they're they're feeling this way. They're doing this thing. I feel frustrated. I feel annoyed. I feel overwhelmed. Or I'm feeling self-conscious. I'm feeling imposter syndrome. They don't make you feel that way. You are feeling that way. Oh, yeah. And that's the, if we can stop assuming that our emotions are 
a result of other people's actions. No, we have a choice to choose however we want to feel in any given now, situation. People are being super rude and like yelling at you. That's a whole other thing. I'm, I'm talking about the like 95% of regular life circumstances. Honestly, even if they are being rude, it's still not about you. And so like you could just bicker back or you could... <laughs> You could be chill and right. be like, I uh, mean, you don't have to put up with, that's not what I'm saying either. No, no, no. Or that like you get to choose how you feel in every single situation. Cause that whole life coach bullshit isn't real and it's very toxic and harmful. So don't misconstrue these. No, no, there's, there's definitely a difference here, but I think if we're looking at getting to separate yourself and say, given all these circumstances, I feel this way, then how do you want to handle your feelings? until you want to do something as a response. And often we just need space. Like I think we we will get upset in a moment and then respond to an email frustrated. Uh-huh. And and then the email reads frustrated because yeah. you were frustrated when you wrote it. And then they get frustrated back and then it creates this like cycle of I, not communicating I, well. I saw this meme the other day. I'm going to read it to you guys. I saved it on Instagram. It said, I'm doing really, really well in my life right now, as long as I don't think about anything that has ever happened or anything that might ever happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yes, literally. In those moments, like try to remind ourselves to be like, okay, in the literal second that I'm existing right now, what is true? Yeah. But the thing is, we can use. Psychology is a great way to be self-aware. It is also a great way to be a better communicator, though, Mm -hmm. because often if we're looking at, like, how do you respond to clients in any given situation, if they are projecting on you, which is usually when we get upset, Mm -hmm. how can you diffuse the situation by acknowledging and setting clear boundaries? And, like... So there is a there is an aspect of they don't want to listen to our strategy and you can kind of like do the bless and release kind of thing mm-hmm. where like I hear you and I and I'm so glad that you're going in the direction that makes sense for you. Do know that like this is why I think XYZ is the direction you should go down and here's the potential things that could pop up for you and I'm here to support you, blah blah blah. But like say they're projecting some level of annoyance or frustration or anything else. It's making an emergency something for you. I heard this interesting, the like how to respond in corporate (laughs) speak. Yeah. yeah. So Mm -hmm. one of them recently on emergencies was like, basically I hear you, but nothing's an emergency for me. And instead of being like kind of dismissive, because you can go down a road of being dismissive of how they're feeling. I'd be like, I can understand why this feels like an emergency to you. Please understand. Mm-hmm. I respond mm-hmm. to clients in the order in which I've received blah, blah, blah. And you can expect to hear from me at da, 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 da. the, I remember the sign that hung behind. So the administration's office at Mizzou, oh, okay. everyone's working inside, right? And they're I'm sure inundated with students and faculty all day that are like, I need this right now. And this is late and whatever, like look up this thing for me or whatever. They literally had a sign behind their desk that said something like your poor time management doesn't make an emergency for me or something like that. And it was just like, oh shit. Like they like set the standard as soon as you walked in the door that like, you need to take a breath. 
we're going to, we'll tackle this together, but like, do not come at me. <laughs> right. And the, I, I mean, there's ways to say the same thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. that. I would not say that. <laughs> without saying that, but for sure, I think so often it's, you can't always bend over backwards, make things emergencies that aren't emergencies, overly take on clients' frustration, any emotion they're feeling. And like, if we did that all the time, we would be, it would feel so heavy. And I think it does get heavy for a lot of service providers. I think, you know, in the conversation of burnout and overwhelm and wanting to shift away from client work and doing something else, I think that's the actual underlying cause of this is not understanding how to separate our feelings, our emotions into not just our work, but our, our clients' responses, our clients' results, their experiences, everything. And until, especially people who are, who are more empathic, who are more sensitive, literally taking on that energy from clients, you have to protect yourself. Well, and I think that kind of brings up a solid point of what are you what do you need to respond in the way that's healthiest for you? And not that this not that this was just related to this, but because I am such a sensitive and empathic person, I know that I'm going to be able to deliver the best response if I'm just given the facts and not right. given like the entire sob story that don't goes cloud it with, with the story <laughs> because the story makes it very hard for me to mm -hmm. go through and also they tend to project a lot of emotions that I end up internalizing yep and so for me a one of the most like revolutionary things was that I just don't read the emails I don't read and not that we get all that often a terrible response by any means. But like, if you're going to get emails that are just hard to like, or regardless of where the messaging is coming from, if you're going to get communication that's hard for you to personally process, sometimes just having a filter in place can be so incredibly helpful. And I know that's also a privilege. So like, I know being able to hire someone to handle all like outbound communication is a privilege until it got to that point. I just had to be really clear about what I was willing and not willing to like take on. And that, you know, there was, I think we've had to fire at least two clients like in the one-on-one -on -one service realm and one ended very poorly, mm -hmm. <laughs> like very poorly. But I... I could have let that derail me entirely or I could have kept going and I, and I chose to keep going. And I think it's your willingness to like push through these moments of hardness that allow you to, I don't know. I think so often the success is right around the corner. Right. And so like, why, why do we let these moments define what's going to be later I don't know. We got to we got to be sensitive to that. Yeah, so to kind of wrap this up, I know we just threw a lot at you, but I I just encourage you if you've been feeling these feelings to really dig deep into like where is it actually coming from? And before you spend energy hiring someone to get stuff off your plate or not taking on that type of client work or shifting your business or whatever big drastic long-term result could happen, Maybe just like sit with what's actually true and what's actually causing it. And then is there some internal work that can be done first 
initially to try to have a little bit of a stopgap in between because you're going to need that internal work and those skills regardless of what choice you end up making because of this thing anyways. Mm -hmm. And so I really encourage you to start digging into you first Mm -hmm. and doing the work there so that you can establish good boundaries even within yourself because those are equally as important. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.